Bush doesn't care about the television program Lost. Hi, welcome to All the Best Podcasts Have Daddy Issues. I'm your host, Nolan Pavlich. And I'm Emma May. And uh, that was a quote uh, from Kanye West, one of the few Kanye West quotes that I'm allowed to parody. Mm-hmm. He's, he's making it more and more difficult every year. We're here to talk about Exodus Part 1, the part one of the three-part finale. Emma, first impressions on this episode, what did you think of it? Okay, first, and we'll talk about it, but the touching scenes in this yes. just kept growing exponentially. I choked up, and then I teared up, I, and then I full-on bawled. <laughs> I'm going to say I cried three times in this <laughs> yeah. episode. I, I have three specific scenes that I cried at. <laughs> uh, but it was good, <laughs> man. It was pulling at the heartstrings, and I love that we had kind of the flashback puzzle pieces coming together it was a good episode i'm gonna give it a 10 out of 10 yeah it's a it's a really good one yeah i agree the flashbacks when you hear the the flashbacks are just like well it's not any one character it's like a little bit from everyone like in my head i would think oh that's a little disappointing because they can't really go too deep on any story but because this is the the season finale they get to really show you like where people started versus where they are now so like you really just get to see some character growth and it's fantastic nice well let's jump into it and just a heads up for uh for our listeners uh we the pilot aired in two parts uh, exodus part one and exodus part two but exodus part two was a double episode it was twice as long um, in syndication and on like DVDs and on Hulu, uh, it's broken up as Exodus Part 1, 2, and 3, and that's how we're going to do the podcast as well. So there'll be three episodes total to this finale. Uh, this episode aired on May 18th, 2005, and it's, uh, it's directed by Jack Bender, the constant uh, lost director, and written by Damon Lindelof and Carlton Cuse. So really just all the, the heavy hitter. All the heavy hitters, all the uh, major collaborators are, are coming in for the finale here. And this, that's, uh, that's for both parts as well. We start off in flashback. Uh, we, it's Walt in the hotel room in Sydney. He is up early in the morning, which is a pretty relatable thing for me. I feel like I can always remember, like, you're in a hotel room with your entire family and, like, you're up early and then you just have to, like, sit there. Because, mm-hmm. like, everyone else is sleeping. Uh, I feel like that has happened to me multiple times as a kid. He watches Power Rangers uh, on the TV at high volume. Michael wakes up and asks him to turn it down, but uh, he turns it up. And then he takes Vincent, leaves the hotel room, talking about how he's going to leave. Michael has to, like, chase after him and his boxers to go get him. At Walt yelling that, you know, you're not my dad. Yeah, pretty fantastic seeing how contentious their relation. I mean, we really didn't even get a sense of it being this contentious uh, because post plane crash, I think Walt was so like shell shocked yeah. that he was he was not this like disobedient. He was maybe still not super receptive to Michael, but he wasn't actively malicious. Uh, back on the island, <laughs> I guess uh, mirroring the flashback, Walt is up before everybody else, and he goes to pee, but uh, he sees. Rousseau sneaking into the, not really even sneaking into the camp. She's just walking into it, mm-hmm. but everybody is asleep. So uh, <laughs> I did like the moment of him like following her and like hiding behind stuff. But then eventually he's just hiding behind like a very thin uh, uh, pole. Yeah. And, and <laughs> it felt like very Looney Tunes. Yeah. 
everybody gets woken up, um, and they're all just kind of standing in a circle around Rousseau. Uh, Rousseau stares at Claire, and Saeed asks her what she's doing here, and Rousseau says that the others are coming, presumably talking about whatever other people are on the island. She explains her backstory to everyone, how she was on a ship that crashed, uh, everyone died or got infected besides her. She says that she saw black smoke, and then that same uh, day, her baby was kidnapped, uh, a week after the baby was born. She says that uh, the others are coming for them now, and that they can either run, hide, or die. We've talked about it already on the podcast, how crazy it is that there's 25 episodes at all in this first season. Like, mm. something that I guess is, that happens with that 25 episode season structure, or 24 episodes I think was more standard, but where it's like stuff only really happens like at the beginning of the season, in the middle, and then towards the end of the season. And that's kind of what this feels like. Like, this is like eight or nine different characters are getting caught up now. Yeah. Uh, because because the parts are really moving on this episode. Like, it, it's weird to think most people probably didn't even know about Rousseau. Like, who did Saeed tell? That stuff is always really murky anyways. Mm-hmm. But, like, it, uh, now people are starting to actually find out about and talking to her. Jack is <laughs> talking to uh, Saeed who's, and saying that he just wants to focus on the raft, I, which is crazy to me. She just told you definitively, hey, these other people are coming. You know that there are other people on the island. Right. And I was thinking, too, like, after everything that happened with Claire and all that guilt that Jack felt... It doesn't feel consistent that he would just brush it off. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the only other person... I mean, this is what we're hitting about a week after uh, the baby was born, right? Mm. Like, yeah, I don't know. The, uh, I mean, even just in general, too. Like, I mean, yeah, I guess we've talked about it. It's really crazy that the raft is even, like, a viable thing to them. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It just, that's just such a weird thing to be putting all your hopes on. As beautiful as the moments are in this uh, episode that uh, deal with the raft. but So, uh, Jack talks to Michael. Uh, Michael says, well, I wanted to leave today, but, you know, stuff's just not going fast enough. We won't be able to leave till tomorrow. Uh, and Jack says, well, what do you need uh, to, to leave today? And Michael says, just about everybody. And so, Jack goes and gathers. I do like this the scene of him uh, talking to just, like, a group of extras who are just you know, not being paid to talk on the screen. So they just sit there and nod as he just delivers instructions to them. Mm-hmm. We get to see a lot of extras this episode, including um, belly button lady. Mm-hmm. She makes yes. an appearance. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, um, well, and we get to see all of the cast in one place, which actually was coming up, but there's like a shot as they are staring at the black smoke in the sky, where you get, like, all of the cast, like, just staring at it. Kind of echoing, I think, the scene in season, or in episode one in the pilot where they hear the, the monster noises from the jungle. And they're all, like, standing together. Like, you, you actually don't really get uh, everybody together in one place very often on the show. Even though there's only, like, three places on the show. <laughs> like, they could right. be... At the caves, in the jungle, or at the beach. That's just about it. Everybody helps to push the boat off. Uh, they, I gotta say, I mean, I guess you can't really just build it on the beach, but 
they did build it a ways away from the, yeah. the beach. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It feels like it could have been a little closer. Or they could have waited for the tide to come in a little bit more. Yes. Well, I don't know if you listen to Dr. Arts, but uh, there's trade winds and such. Oh, um, right. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, the rudder gets caught as they're pushing the boat or the raft, and uh, it breaks. Uh, Sawyer gets blamed for it for some reason. Was like, it his like fault? My... No, it it can't have been his fault. Like when you have that many people pushing everything, no one person is at fault. It was it was never going to go right. Right. And especially like you know, no offense to everybody, but like Sawyer, unless he's just pretending to push is going to be putting in more than, like, Claire. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, everybody is helping, but, like, there's no way it's just Sawyer's fault. Like, it's probably easy to blame Sawyer for stuff, so I guess I understand that. But, yeah, Walt points out the column of smoke in the distance, echoing Rousseau's story, uh, and we get the great shot of everybody staring at it. Good, like, aerial shot. They question Rousseau, but she doesn't really have any more answers, and she asks... Like, what are you going to do? Where can you, you... These people are leaving, but, like, where can you hide everyone who's staying? Um, and so they take her to the hatch. Saeed is, of course, still against going in the hatch. Locke says that there's probably room inside uh, because there's no handle on the door. I do think that that's a stretch. Yeah. Like, I, I think Locke is going along with this, right, because he wants the hatch opened. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I don't think he's going along with it because he thinks it's a good like plan for rescue um, or for saving everyone. I suppose they ask about the explosives that she used to blow up her base, and Which she is says insane. that there's. Yes, that is also yes. That also is <laughs> like you know. I what? How do you know that this thing's going to withstand an explosion? Because right. it withstood a, a a bamboo trebuchet that you made. In, like, a day and a half. Uh, she says she has dynamite at the Black Rock, uh, which has been mentioned a few times already on the show, uh, but never explained once. And it's, uh, well, we'll see it later in the episode. In flashback, uh, Jack is drinking at the airport bar. Um, a woman played by Michelle Rodriguez, who I think is probably best known for the Fast and Furious movies, right? She was also, there was it. Man, there were a few years when she was in just about everything, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I never got into Fast and Furious. I recognize her from she's in a couple zombie movies, isn't she? Like she's for sure in Resident Evil. Okay. And then I think that she's in another one, too. But yeah, very recognizable was I mean, I don't know. You know that I'm too scared to watch zombie movies, so obviously Sure. I'm gonna take your word for it there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh you know what? She was in Avatar as well. Maybe oh, that's, that's okay. I mean, certainly that's the highest grossing thing she's ever been in. Yeah. Although maybe not. Has a Fast and the Furious overtaken Avatar yet? I think Avatar is still like top three. Yeah, I think it is. What What are your thoughts on Avatar? Did you like it? Eh. Did you see it? I, sh- I suppose I should ask. I did see it, and once I think was enough for me. Yeah, there is. This, um, there was this wave of everybody on the internet being like, uh, Avatar actually made no cultural footprint. Isn't it weird how something that was that successful didn't really leave a footprint? And then all these people started, like, kind of backlashing to it, uh, and talking about, there's, like, this weird, like, I can't tell if it's ironic, uh, wave of defense 
for Avatar on the internet right now. And I wonder if people have, like, seen the movie recently when they're doing that. Because that movie is not great. I don't even remember a single... Well, I shouldn't say that. Blue people, I remember that. And there's a tree. And I remember that. But that is it. Otherwise, like, none of it stuck with me. Yeah, and and for all we know, Emma just saw uh, the X-Men with Jennifer Lawrence (laughs) as Mystique. We don't, we don't know. That's mm-hmm. all she remembers from it. Yeah, no, there isn't, there isn't anything. The only thing I remember is that they, the, like, material that the corporation is mining for on the planet is called unobtainium, oh, um, which okay. is so stupid. <laughs> and I guess is like, it's a real term that they use to describe stuff. I don't know. Either way, very dumb. Yeah, nowhere near James Cameron's best movie. It's very odd that people uh, revere it. Uh, and, it, you know, it's the only movies he's going to be making for the next 20 years because they have, like, five Avatar sequels lined up already. Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't thought about this in a long mm-hmm. time, but, like, what was going on in the zeitgeist where everybody was obsessed with that movie? Do you remember? Yeah, wasn't that wasn't there a point where, like, people were getting, like, whatever the Japanese like Paris syndrome is but for like being blue and like living in the forest like people were like getting like legitimately depressed the avatar wasn't real yeah and it's like all it is is the jungle guys like we (laughs) there is still some of the jungle left like I guess you can't be like a big blue guy but you can you can paint yourself blue and live in the jungle that actually is like you can do that one of the few sci-fi options that's open to you (laughs) (laughs) you can't live on a spaceship you can just go run around and pretending you're an avatar. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's, uh, I got the same thing as that avatar depression, but for Coraline. Yeah. Every day I wake up and I don't have, like, buttons sewn into my eyes. Mm-hmm. I get a little bit more depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, all that to say is Michelle Rodriguez plays this, uh, uh, this character. Um, she... Uh, comes up to hit to Jack at the bar and asks why he was yelling at the check-in counter. She asks about his dad, says that, you know, she was just being polite. I will say, yeah, you didn't really have to ask Jack why he was yelling, because he was yelling, so mm-hmm. you didn't know based on that. Also, not really being polite. No, she's not being polite. She's being yeah. very forward. Mm-hmm. Um, she asks about his dad, um, and she asks if he's single. I This... Honestly, it's probably the worst of the flashbacks, right? I I don't know. I think Kate's was maybe... There are parts of Kate's that made me really roll my eyes. Sure. The, the, this feels like it is a vehicle for two things, right? It's to show that Jack isn't still married. Mm-hmm. Because I think that they hadn't technically answered that yet. We as the audience and as like thinking adults know that there is no chance that... Jack's marriage lasted, <laughs> but um, uh, but we technically, you know, just because he hasn't been wearing a ring doesn't mean he isn't technically still married. We never got that confirmed. So I think they wanted to do that. Um, and then they also wanted to introduce Anna Lucia, which is what she introduces herself as. Uh, Anna Lucia is, she says she's in the tail section, and we know that the tail section broke off mid-flight. Uh, that's also where uh, Rose's husband was at, and so... We don't know what happened to the tail people. 
Everybody on the island is assuming they're dead because, of course, nobody will leave a 40-foot radius from the camp uh, to go check that kind of stuff out. Mm-hmm. Nothing about this feels like it has anything to do with Jack. It feels like they just wanted to introduce this character so that we, like, establish that she was already on the plane. Yeah. We do get a little bit of a, you know, island mystery lore where he's in seat 23, uh, she's in seat 42, but then she gets a call, has to go, and tells him that the worst part's over. Uh, in regards to his dad dying, I guess. Um, Jack tells everyone about their plan to go get supplies, but I guess he's keeping it vague. But Arts comes up to him after he talks to everybody and says that he knows about the dynamite. Uh, he says, if you want to keep it a secret, don't tell the fat guy. Arts, of course, as we talked about last week, 10 out of 10 character. I would not change a single thing about him. Love him to death. <laughs> Arts wants to come along to handle the dynamite. Um, and Jack says, okay. What do you think about this choice to have Arts be so intertwined in the plot of this episode? I'm going to say it's a bad idea, Nolan. <laughs> really? You don't yeah, like that? I don't. <laughs> hmm. But we already know what you think. You think it's flawless. Yeah. You love it. I don't think you it's flawless. More. Okay. Okay, so that's <laughs> exactly it. Because here's the thing. This should have been an arts flashback episode. We should have really dug deep into his character. What right. is he like? What was he like as a child? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, in what ways did he disappoint his father? And in what ways did his father disappoint him? Uh, because there certainly are some on both sides of that. Yeah, no, this is... Uh, I don't really know what they're doing here. Like, are they trying to make him more of a central character? It's... It's a weird choice because he's just inherently unlikable. Yeah, right. Um, is there something about this actor or something? Yeah, like, yes. So, J.J. Abrams hit this actor with his car. Okay. And thus was forced to, to let him onto the show. And his guy got to go and hang out with all the other guys on the show. So, that was, I think, part of the contract. That makes the most sense. <laughs> Back to the raft, uh, Sawyer comes over and he wants to help, but Michael uh, basically is saying there's too many cooks and him and Jin uh, work well together, or work better together just by themselves. Uh, That feels like, you know, uh, if you needed 40 people to push it, maybe more than two people fixing it would be a good idea, but what what do I know? I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's Michael's raft. In flashback, we see Sawyer uh, is... Taken into custody by the same cop who talked to Boone. Sawyer had come in the, a couple days prior and broken the the cop's mug when he came by. Basically, they just paint a picture of Sawyer as being extremely uh, um, belligerent. Uh, we haven't really seen what makes Sawyer act like this. Um, I guess maybe we could assume it was just him getting extremely drunk after he killed that guy. Yeah. Which maybe that is all it is. Or maybe there's more. I guess we'll find out later on down the line. But Sawyer, in a bar fight, uh, headbutted an Australian minister of agriculture. Good for Sawyer, is what I say to that. Absolutely. Sawyer does have a great line where he's like, isn't getting in a bar fight like a a rite of passage for you guys? Yeah. Um, Which I think is a fair point. (laughs) Because here's the thing. If this had happened in Washington, D.C., I'd be like, oh, wow, yeah, Sawyer needs to be locked up. But in Australia, I 100% believe that the Australian Minister of Agriculture was involved in a bar fight. Like, no questions asked. 
That cop has probably been involved with a couple bar fights, okay? Oh, yeah, for sure. He started a few. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the cop calls him a con man, reads his rap sheet. We do find out that Sawyer's real name, uh, presumably, is James Ford. What do you think about this name? Do you think it fits him? I do. Yeah, I think it's the fact that his last name is Ford. I think that just makes it work Mm -hmm. because Sawyer is inherently American. Um, He's white and blonde, which all Americans are. And Mm -hmm. uh, he's racist, which most Americans are. So he really kind of checks all the boxes. So he's he's built Ford tough, frankly. (laughs) Anyway, Sawyer gets deported and banned from Australia, which is incredible. That's... That's perfect. That's a badge of honor right there. Yeah. Like, you can't... If I got deported and banned from Australia, I would never shut up about it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We see Sawyer just sweatily chopping bamboo. I mean, this is... This is sweep season, folks. Mm Mm-hmm. They they, they put in a few shots for the ladies this episode, for sure. And I would say, and fellas, but they were not doing it for the fellas. (laughs) Not in 2000. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, Jack uh, jokes to Sawyer that um, he must have been a lumberjack back home, which maybe he was. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, I don't, is lumberjack still like a job? I guess it is. I guess you still process yeah. wood. Um, they probably got like fancy tools for it. There's a guy on TikTok. Have you seen the lumberjack guy on TikTok? Yes. There's like a bunch of people making fun of him. It's such a funny account. I followed it immediately. Like he's, it's basically this extremely hot guy, like cutting wood. But as he's doing it, he's just making it as sexual as possible. Yeah. And then pretending his channel is just about him cutting wood. It's so, it's like, it is hot, but it is also unbelievably funny. Like that's such a, because he'll just be chopping wood and he'll be like, oh yeah, there you go. I gotta get the spot, and you're just like, all right, dude, chill out. Come on, just just chop it. <laughs> anyway, Sawyer's basically doing that here. Jack gives Sawyer a gun um, for on the raft, saying just in case, because he's the only one that knows how to handle a gun. Uh, which I guess is fair. Jin seems like Jin probably would know how to handle a yeah. gun as well, but um, Jack obviously probably nobody wouldn't know that. No, because uh, no attempts have been made to communicate with Jin except for Michael at this mm-hmm. point. And they're like best buds now. Jack, he says that by the time that they get back, you know, the raft is going to be gone. He says good luck to Sawyer. And Sawyer uh, tells Jack about his dad, about how meeting him in the bar and telling him that his dad is proud of him. Um, and this would be time number one that I did yeah. cry in this episode. You know, there's a lot of stuff in the show that doesn't land quite right with uh especially probably with respects to Sawyer. Mhm. I think like if you're not being overtly racist in 2005, you're just not being racist at all. Like I think like Sawyer was still supposed to be kind of lovable even though he was, you know, calling Said Captain Falafel or whatever. Yeah. Um but like just even Outside of all that stuff, this scene just rules. It's so well acted. Sawyer, seeing him be vulnerable enough to, like, want to tell this to Jack, like, I fully buy that. Mm -hmm. I fully buy Jack's reaction. I love Sawyer not even, like, making mention of the fact that he's basically, like, turned this guy who kind of hates him into, like, a blubbering mess. Mm -hmm. Um, Sawyer doesn't even make, like, a little crack about it. 
he has a line about how kids are like dogs, knock them around enough, and they'll think they did something to deserve it. Uh, possibly a perfect summation of just the show in general at this point. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, great touching scene. I really loved it. And I think also that line really adds like a solidarity between them both. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, before this, they never had any kind of common ground. Um, right. And I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. It made me really teary. Yes. And it made me also feel like, oh, maybe I've been too hard on Jack this season. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that's part of it, right? That's part of why that line works is because it it, it makes you realize like, oh, Sawyer started seeing Jack in a different light once he connected the dots. And yeah. realized, like, how much Jack's dad screwed him up. Right. But yeah. Yeah, it's excellent. Anyways, um, so Sawyer and Jack start making... Oh, wait. You know what? I apologize. I'm reading the wrong... Was that your fan here. fiction? Yeah. No, just a different tab I had open. Okay. My bad. <laughs> um, in flashback... Yeah, we get Kate's flashback here. Um, the Marshal explains to a TSA agent... Um, how dangerous Kate is and why he needs five guns. We find out that he's been chasing her for three years and that while she was on the run, Kate would call to taunt him uh, from various places on the road. Uh, so he tells the story of how she, you know, robbed the bank to, uh, to get the airplane. It's less interesting somehow even than the flashbacks of whatever the case may be yeah. when he's retelling it um <laughs> yeah I, I guess you're right this flashback is worse i just feel like anna lucia was so obviously shoehorned in that it made jack's flashback worse but this one is there's not really much redeeming here either uh he basically stupid airplane like yeah it just doesn't should have if... dropped it it doesn't land I mean, there is a solid chance we never see it again on this show. This might be the last appearance of it, if I'm being completely honest. Okay. Like, I don't know. Good. I don't think it ever comes up again. Like, it's just... It, it, but it's treated with such reverence. Mm-hmm. And it's just... It's too on the nose, too. Don't you think? Like, it looks exactly like their plane. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, we've we've talked... To, we've complained about this airplane thing enough. I guess I don't I know. need to <laughs> keep going at it. But, like, every time I see it, I'm, like, a little bit mad still. <laughs> yeah. But... Edward Mars, his performance is so good. Like, yeah, that's he is the good. only redeeming quality of this flashback for me. Well, that's, yeah, so that's the other thing, right? Here's the flashbacks we've, like, they hint at this, like, cat and mouse game between her and the marshal, and we haven't gotten to see any of it, and it seems like it would be so interesting to see. Yeah. Like, they, a, a dual flashback episode. Of, like, there's a couple flashbacks of her doing a crime and a couple flashbacks of him, like, trying to stop her. And then, you know, we could get some, like, kind of like the diner scene and heat. Like, them, like, sitting down to meet each other and then her managing to get away. Like, there's so much cool stuff they could do. And then we just keep getting this stupid little toy airplane. Yes. Yes. It's really frustrating. I feel like they just didn't give it the time of day. But... Maybe we'll, uh, maybe in season two. Like I said, I don't think it's showing up again, so I think we're good. Um, <laughs> he goads her about Tom, uh, her her ex who died, until she finally attacks him, and then he says, that's why I need five guns. Um, I honestly I, forgot that his name was Tom, and yeah. 
immediately it was like, oh yeah, Topher Grace. Yes. <laughs> His name is Topher. my head. Yeah. That actually would be really funny, though, right? Like, because it is kind of, you can do, like, the self-righteous, like, his name was Tom, as you tackle him. But having to be like, his name was Topher, yeah. as you're tackling <laughs> someone, you kind of have to be like, well, this is a little Wait bit a silly. Yeah. <laughs> Kate asked Jack if uh, she can come along on the trip to get dynamite, uh, because she, I mean, it's basically subtext that, uh, she doesn't want to be there for the raft launching because of Sawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, she says that she's bad at goodbyes. Charlie is collecting messages in a bottle for everyone to give to their loved ones. This was sweet. I mean, yeah, I think... Was it last episode, too, that we thought Charlie was kind of on his best behavior? It seems like he is here now as well. I've, yeah. I, I wasn't annoyed by Charlie this episode. Yeah, same here. <laughs> he does. I, I just want to... I want to bring this up right now, okay? We okay. are recording this in 2022, just to put a little bit of a timestamp on it for our listeners who could be listening to this hundreds of years mm-hmm. into the future. And I expect that you are. Artst, when Charlie says, do you have anything, and holds out the bottle, Art says that he gave at the office. Now, this is a very funny joke, but a lot of people aren't going to get it anymore because in this post COVID world, these snowflakes all work from home. The woke uh, There is no office. Yeah, these these woke snowflakes, um, <laughs> they all work from home. They're, they refuse to go in and work. Um, Elon Musk is, you know, obviously putting his foot down and forcing them to at Twitter. Uh, good for him. It seems like it's going really great for him. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I just want to, you know, that's the kind of joke we just can't have today. And so I wanted to highlight it here. I think it's important to talk about that on the podcast. Jack says goodbye to everybody. Um, Kate, uh, looks around for Sawyer, but he's not there. He is presumably splitting open a log and saying, I'm going to get you there or something like that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, so we get our team going out to the, uh, uh, the Black Rock, um, it's Rousseau, Locke, Jack, Hurley, and Arst. The Dream Team, the A-Team. Yeah. yeah, I don't 100% know why Hurley's going. I guess maybe just for him, for them to have something for him to do in this episode. I, I also, I just, like, it seems like you don't need that many people to go do this. Like, yeah. I feel like every person that you're taking is, like, just another, like, way to make this more complicated. But anyways, right. um... We get some great shots of, like, I think, I don't think we've really seen this, like, tide pool area of the island yet, have we? With all these rocks. No, uh, Where beautiful. they're hiking. It looks incredible. Yeah, yeah. it looks so cool. Um, we see them hiking. Uh, Rousseau takes off her sweater, and she has a bunch of scratches on her arm, uh, and says that she got them from a bush. Um, she, I don't think that she did. I think they came from something different, but maybe we'll find that out. I have something to say about this. Okay. We're supposed to believe that she's French and has been on a deserted island for 16 years. Okay. And her armpits yeah, are not super say. Yep. Hairy. Yep. <laughs> so yes, The bush that scratched her arm should have been from underneath her armpits. <laughs> I agree. It's, it's messed up. And uh, obviously, you know, in season two, 
they do address the the backlash that they got from fans about this. She does oh, wear two merkins underneath her arms okay. um, in order to really simulate what it would have been like living on the island. Yeah, that is actually really funny. I didn't think about that at all. <laughs> I mean, that's part of it, right? It's like, you know, they the flashbacks work so well as a way to get people... Like, in, like, their front... Like, you know, you're never going to see Jack in Scrubs unless it's on a flashback, right? right? He's yeah. Not, there's no reason for him to be in, on the island. And there's also no reason for people to be, you know, doing their hair or makeup on the mm-hmm. island either. So it's so weird to me that they don't really let people, like, start to go feral. I get that you can't, like, truly just, like, yeah, everybody has a unibrow and all that. But, like, you know, you can... You can let people not look like movie stars a little bit. Yeah, make it a little more realistic. Like, one of the first few episodes when they were hiking in the woods and um, Sharon had the zigzag part still. Yes. Like, that's not... I don't know. Make it a tiny bit more realistic. It just, like, takes it away. And, I mean, I know it's 2005, God forbid... Yeah. Any kind of armpit hair is shown on television, but I was like, come yeah, on. Actually, that's true. In 2005, medical science may not have acknowledged the existence of women having body hair. So behind. Yeah. So actually, maybe maybe this was just, you know, with our current scientific knowledge base, mm-hmm. this was the best that we could do. Hurley and Arts kind of, you know, banter back and forth about his name because Hurley pr- pronounces it Arnst. Uh, instead of Arst, extremely disrespectful, in my opinion. Uh, Arst deserves better. Uh, Hurley should know better. You know, he's a likable guy, and I could stand him being racist about where, you know, Son and Jin are from, but I I won't stand for him uh, giving Arst a bad name, which, of course, the bad name being Arst. Uh, We do find out Arst's first name is Leslie. I think it fits. Yeah. I think that fits perfectly. What do you think about Leslie as a boy's name? Oh, gosh. Uh, who is... Is it... And keep in mind that we have multiple male Leslie listeners. So yeah. if you <laughs> aren't careful, tame. you're going to really insult some people right now. Who... What's the name of the naked gun guy? Leslie, Leslie Nielsen. Nielsen. That's what I was going to yes. say. It's it's so funny because, like, if I just met... Like, if if you're, like, at a meeting, right? And you meet somebody and he's, like, a... He's like a, a very like straight laced guy with like a, a uh, whatever the push broom mustache mm-hmm. and like just a very neat and proper and hello how are you doing and his first name is Leslie you would say that's that would make you chuckle a little bit like you would have yeah. to like keep your composure a little bit just because it's you know you don't expect somebody like that to be named Leslie Leslie Nielsen was exactly that guy he has the straight the, the gravelly voice you know like mm-hmm. he has like all of that but I've never once questioned his name being Leslie. Same. Until I thought about Art's name being Leslie. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's just kind of a silly name for a guy who is extremely silly to have. And I guess just because he's so silly, it, it you don't even think about it. And why not just go by, like, Les or something like that, you know? Yeah, you could definitely go by Lester and nobody would. <laughs> I, although, I don't know. I think I would actually prefer to be named Leslie over Lester. I can see that. Yeah. I can see why. Um, anyways, R.I.P. Leslie Nielsen, uh, one of the absolute best. Yeah. Uh, Rousseau says that they are entering uh, Le Territoire France, which is, of course, dark territory. Uh, Arts uh, <laughs> chickens out and, and runs away. 
nobly. Uh, and I think that nobody should disrespect him for doing so. Um, Jin and Michael argue on the, uh, the raft. Uh, so this is of yet another Star Wars reference um, where uh, Han Solo is saying, no, this goes there, that goes there, something along those lines. And then Chewie, you know, Chewbacca, I should say. I don't, I'm not, I don't know him well enough to call him Chewie. Chewbacca, you know, gives his trademark growl, mm -hmm. and then that's it. Um, I don't 100% love that the uh, the Chewbacca in this is just a guy who doesn't speak English. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, what can you do? And I also don't really love that they're referencing Star Wars. But what can you do? Sawyer brings the mast that he cut, uh, which is a pretty big mast. Um, they you know, like, say, hey, thanks, and they're clearly both surprised and, like, thinking, like, oh, yeah, Sawyer can actually, like, contribute. Uh, here's my question about this. If they needed this mast, they should have been working on it. Like, why were they not working on it? That wasn't something that was just going to materialize. Right. They could have asked the other 35 people that were yeah. just helping them to yeah, exactly. help them with it. But, yeah, Instead of I don't know. recreating Star Wars. Uh, the, uh, the Black Rock crew is hiking in the rain when they hear a noise. Um, it's arched nobly running from the monster. Everybody scatters, except for Locke tells Hurley to be still. Um, Hurley just does what Locke says, which is weird. Because mm -hmm. he doesn't know... I mean, so at this point, Locke has seen this, right? We've That was in, like, episode, like, five or six or something like that. Yeah. Where Locke, Locke saw whatever this thing is. But Hurley doesn't know that, and it could be anything. Unless Hurley was just like, you know what, you're right, Locke, it is time to die. It's time just done. <laughs> That's a good point. And then, then we get a much sadder backstory for Hurley here. Uh, eventually, though, it goes in a different direction. Jack and Kate ask Rousseau about it. Uh, Rousseau says it's a security system and that it's protecting the island. This is maddening to me because she says that and then they just, I guess, accept it. But, like, clearly, if she knows, like, its intentions, she has some idea of what it is. Yeah. So why would you not be like, no, 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 I'm asking you what physically is it? Right. Obviously, you know, they, they want to keep that as a reveal for later on, but <laughs> it is, like, frustrating. Uh, to, to watch them just not be curious at all. And Arts rejoins the crew. Uh, because, of course, he is too scared to go back. He's going off of Scooby-Doo rules now. Mm -hmm. where, where are you okay? Well, you can go by yourself. I just hope there's no big bad monsters around. You know, just like that, Zoinks, Arts rejoins. Um, did you see the, the Velma show? No. That they're, they're making for HBO? Have you seen I this? I heard about it. Yeah, it looks, Have you uh, seen this? No, I've heard has, about it. So, have um, you seen this? Have you heard about this? Yeah. <laughs> They're making a, a Velma show on HBO. They're making a, a Velma show for HBO, folks. Um, it looks really bad. Mindy Kaling oh, no, is doing it. Oh, no, does it? it? Yeah, oh, it's, no. it like, wants to be an adult take on it. Okay. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, you don't need to do that with Scooby-Doo. No. Scooby-Doo is just for kids. Is Mindy Kaling Velma? Um, I don't know. I think she might just... I don't know if she's voicing her. Um, oh, okay. Oh, it's a cartoon. I, yeah, yeah, it's still a cartoon. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, God, a live on. action. I would be horrendous. Uh, yeah, the... Um, I just never understand that, why you gotta... 
Wait, Scooby-Doo should meet Batman and the Harlem Globetrotters. And that's it. He should not be dealing with adult situations, frankly. That's my thoughts on it. Okay, here we go. This is cry number two. Uh, Walt comes up to Shannon, and he he gives uh, Vincent to her. Says that Vincent will take care of her uh, like he did for Walt when his mom died. Uh, he was someone for him to talk to. And that uh, he she could talk to Vincent about Boone. And Shannon accepts. Uh, this is a very pretty touching scene. It is really touching. I will say it's not one of my cry scenes. Really? I had a different this, one. This really... I. I honestly, not even so much about him giving Vincent to Shannon, which I think is great, and it's a nice piece of his character. Just him talking about how he had no one to talk to after his mom yeah. died. Yeah. He does such a good job. Mm-hmm. I think that we haven't gotten a ton of Walt, like stuff where it really just hinges on him. Um, I mean, really, the, the this is the second flashback that we got with him. Was in this episode, like, because in the Michael, in the episode special, there was only that one scene that was just about Walt. But yeah, the, uh, I think Malcolm David Kelly gives a really good performance for a, you know, 10-year-old or 11-year-old. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very touching. This is <laughs> countermanded by this, uh, flashback. Shannon is, like, sitting at the airport, taking up, like, three seats on the bench as she's just lounging. Uh, Saeed comes up, uh, leaves his bag with Shannon. And here is what I will say. Shannon, what she does in this flashback, and we'll get to it in a second, is obviously vile. Yeah. Um, and also, just the the attitude around it, right? Of, like, you need to tell on people who are leaving a bag or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, if they're, especially if they're Arab, is uh, incorrect. What I will say is, this was 2004. I, I think Saeed maybe should have had a little bit of self-preservation here and not left his bag with uh, the blonde woman. I feel like, you know, I'm not going to say that it's his fault because it's not, but you maybe should have thought that one through, dude. And this is an answer we did, I believe in episode like two or three, when they're trying to find out who the handcuffs belong to. Sawyer says that he saw Saeed getting escorted onto the plane. Oh. And so now I think this is them kind of answering that as well, because that never really came up again. Sure. But anyways, yeah, so we do see Boone again. Um, uh, Good to see him. I I think it was a little bit too soon for it to really, like, punch you with him being in the flashback again. Um, Like, maybe they wanted it to. Because really, there's nothing narratively interesting happening in this flashback in regards to Boone. It's just for Shannon. Whenever I see things like this happen in TV, I think, like, oh... They signed a contract for a full season, and they're just trying to get their their oh, money's sure. worth here. So, like, yeah. yeah, that's where my mind went. Absolutely, but I think with I think it was really possible that they could have not gotten him back, just because mm-hmm. they film in Hawaii. So, if once he gets fired, it's not like he's just gonna stay in Hawaii. Sure. Um, so there's a good chance that. They just don't get the actor back. So I think that it was him. I mean, maybe it's also possible that he moved there uh, while they were doing the show because he didn't know he was dying. Yeah. Which is, uh, uh, you got to feel for that. But 
Anyways, yeah, so Boone says that they couldn't get into first class uh, because Shannon yelled at the gate agent. Um, I guess that's on brand. Um, <laughs> the, that poor uh, gate agent. My goodness. Oh, man. I don't think that, like, I've worked in retail pretty much my entire life, and I've worked in an area where I've been able, where I've talked to, like, the general populace and about stuff that doesn't even really matter. I, I don't think that there's an amount of money you could pay me to be a gate agent. No. Mm-mm. I, you, there's a certain point where, like, you can be the most zen person in the world, but eventually that stuff will not just, like, wash off of you, of people just yeah. yelling at you all day. Like, eventually that's going to, like, crack into your psyche. Yes. But this actually saved uh, their life because, as we remember, uh, everybody in first class was dead when they mm. went to go to the cockpit. So Shannon, um, uh, being a, a freaking Karen, got them to uh, survive. In Boone's case, not too much extra time afforded to him, but um, at, at least it was a little bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe it would have been better if he died on the plane, though. <laughs> just like, yeah. yeah, he was I mean, tortured maybe. for 12 hours. For sure. Um, well, yeah, that's a great point. Because if you think about it then, because then Boone's day would have been had sex with Shannon, went to airport, plane crash, died. That would have yeah. been his day. And for Boone, that would have been pretty much the perfect day. And mm-hmm. instead it was get uh, get your legs set back with no yeah. no morphine. Um, so yeah, maybe you're right. <laughs> maybe he should have died in the plane crash. Um, anyways, uh, Shannon, I still don't 100% understand how they get to this. Um, it seems like they just want Shannon to like be shitty to Saeed. So yeah. they eventually get to where she she rats on Saeed leaving his bag. An airport uh, worker in order to prove a point to Boone. I don't know. Truly despicable. But I guess it shows you how far she's come. Mm-hmm. Saeed built a radar for the raft. Um, of course okay. he would. Sure, yeah. I, I You know, at this point you kind of just gotta like let this stuff roll off you as well. Like what can you, you know, <laughs> sure. Saeed built a radar. Why not throw that on there, too? He says that they can only really turn it on for about an hour a day, and he also gives them a flare, which we haven't seen up until this point. I guess it makes sense that, you know, when you have fireworks, you don't need Mm -hmm. the flare, so might as well hold on to that for something special. Rousseau tells the the Black Rock crew that they're there, and we find out the Black Rock is not a rock at all. It is a big old pirate ship. I did not remember this at all. Oh, yeah, this is such a fun reveal, because we've yeah. heard the Black Rock talked about, and it's all mysterious, and you're kind of like, it sounds like, um, kind of like tribal, or like spiritual in some way, like the Black Rock being yeah. like a, a, a site for something, and instead it's like, no, it's just this cool-ass pirate ship that's in the middle of the jungle. In flashback, Sun accidentally spills coffee on Jin, um, and a white couple, one of whom looks a lot like Sean Hannity... Uh, to the point where I did try and find out who it was, and I could not find out. Although, I think if it was Sean Hannity, that would have been included somewhere in the IMDb. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it was him, but he did look a lot like Sean Hannity. Um, yeah, a white couple um, says some pretty disparaging stuff about them and their culture. Oh, that's uh, disgusting. The woman, yeah, it's pretty awful. <laughs> the woman says that it's like memoirs of a geisha. What does um, that even I, mean? Yeah, and you know what the crazy thing is, right, is that all it is is just Sun 
brought Jin some biscuits at the airport. And that's a, a normal thing. On his and yeah, lap. put it. Yeah, like, that is a normal thing. Like it's not like she was like rubbing his feet as yeah. he like, was reading the news. Like you know, somebody was going to buy the biscuits. Would they have to stand together? And I don't know. It's crazy to me. Um, anyways, uh, they talk about how she can't understand because she doesn't speak English. Uh, obviously, we know that she does. Um, this would have been a great time for one of my favorite things in entertainment to happen, which is where someone who uh, was getting shit-talked says, actually, I do speak your language. I think that's mm-hmm. so fun. I love, love it whenever that. it pops up. Uh, and it feels like a missed opportunity that it didn't show mm-hmm. up here. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is uh, uh, cry number three for me. Uh, Jin accepts a book from Sun. Um, it seems like he doesn't want to talk to her at first, but she like hands it to him. Uh, she made a phonetic list of English words for him. Yeah, this was really great. Um, I'm tearing up just thinking about it. Yeah, it's great. Jin apologizes and breaks down. Uh, they both kind of break down, I guess, but he... Yeah. He talks about how he's being punished because he made her suffer, um, and that's why he has to go on the raft uh, to save her. Son asks, well, who's going to keep you safe then? Um, And then they hug, and they have uh, clearly reconciled. This is great, and weirdly, I think the flashback really doesn't do justice to this, right? Because they really started in such a bad place. Yeah. In, in this season. And the flashback, Jin is pretty accommodating for the fact that she just spilled coffee on him. Yeah. Um, I think I would be a little bit madder at anybody that spilled coffee at me, on me. <laughs> like hot sure. coffee. Um, yeah. Especially at an was. airport, you have to be on an airplane for 30 yeah, exactly. hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. that's true. You got you got a coffee stain on your pants. Yeah. I mean, those, those could have been the pants that he died in if he hadn't survived the plane crash. And they yeah. would have had a big old coffee stain on him. Um... <laughs> yeah uh so their their flashback i thought was like weirdly tame considering how bad it was when they started but this is beautiful so seeing them get, yeah. get to reconcile this is really nice and it's also pretty believable at this point too mm-hmm. like it seems like they did the legwork because a lot of times when you have these kind of big moments in tv shows they just kind of throw it out there and they they don't really build up to it right but i think this was plenty of build up over the course of you know, how, however many episodes it was since Jin found out that she doesn't speak English. Or that she does speak English. Yeah, I was trying to think why their scenes and relationship just hit me harder than a lot of the other characters. And I think that it's because they do such a good job of being authentic. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel like the soap opera that some of the other characters feel like. Well... Yes, although it is very soap opera with their their flashbacks because they yeah. kind of have like that Romeo and Juliet thing. That's true. Um, or like I guess not Romeo and Juliet, but definitely a star-crossed lovers type deal. I think it works. At least this is my opinion. Is because they're so cold at the beginning of the season, but the the actors genuinely do have good chemistry together. Yeah, and in the they flashbacks do. when you see Jin as being more, you know, lighthearted and upbeat and Sun as a little bit more naive and trusting, it makes 100% sense that they would be together. Mm-hmm. And so when you see them, you know, start to find it again, I don't know, that's a pretty human thing. Uh, and yeah. it, uh, it, it's nice to see. It's nice to see somebody rekindle love that uh, wasn't uh, 
that felt like it wasn't there before. I love it. Mm Mm-hmm. So everybody says goodbye to the raft crew. Uh, And um, this is... This is all a big montage with no words for the most part, except for some that we'll get to. But um, the there's uh, music playing instead the whole time. Uh, this is incredible to me. I think the music in this scene is unbelievably good. Yeah, agreed. It the it's just so cinematic, like in in, in the sense of it feels like it belongs in a big budget movie, and obviously. At this point, Michael Giacchino has done a lot of extremely big-budget movies, so it makes sense. It's really fantastic. I, the, the track is called um, Parting Words. Mm. Um, so a normal name. Yeah, it's not, yeah, it, it's it's <laughs> not like, uh, um, I don't know, can't think of it. It's, it's not called, uh, uh, um, nope, can't think of anything. Well, I almost had sail it in part, away, and then I lost sail it. Away, sail away, sail away. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's not called uh, um, Michael Giacchino singing that Enya song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can cut that. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely not. I'm, I'm going to leave in me not thinking of a pun for 30 straight seconds, and I'm leaving in you singing Enya. The boat pushes off. Um, everybody is tearfully saying goodbye. You know, everybody's on shore. It's, it's triumphant. It's beautiful. Mm. Uh, Vincent breaks free from Shannon and goes to chase them. Uh, this was my This is what pushed me over the edge. Yeah. I, it made me cry. Yeah, it's incredible. A lot. That's it's such good. a... So the, the like lore that I had seen on the internet, um, you know, as, as the show was airing and, you know, for, you know, sometime afterwards, you know, you could look up theories and all that kind of stuff. And I was kind of involved in all that, um, uh, or, you know, I enjoyed looking those things up, I should say. I wasn't really making theories myself. But uh, one of the, like, tidbits that you would find is that this was unplanned, that mm-hmm. um, Madison, the dog, actually got away and started chasing after them, and that it was just, like, an incredible improv that uh, Malcolm David Kelly uh, told told. Vincent to go back, and then he started going back once his training kicked in. That is not the case. However, it was thought of on the day by Jack Bender. And so mm. it was, like, scripted in the sense... It wasn't in the script, but it was scripted in the sense that they added it to the script once once they thought of it. But it was just... It was more spur of the moment than most of the scenes were. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's very... Um, you know, it's kind of got that, like, Harry and the Hendersons, like, can't you see I don't want you anymore type thing where he yeah. has to send his dog back, and that is uh, heartbreaking. They drop the sail. The raft starts going out. I, it, You know, obviously this raft is absurd, but it yeah. does look, it looks fantastic. Like, it seems like, I don't know, it seems like they really built a raft. Like, all all it seems like it works great. It looks really good from the beach like there's it's just very cinematic and the like i said the music is working for it just a great scene did they they must have built that proper i bet there's a story there somewhere yeah yeah there probably is maybe i'll try and find it before uh next episode uh i wouldn't be surprised if there's like some good behind the scenes stuff about how the raft was built Mm -hmm. um but yeah so uh we get a cut uh, of the black smoke in the jungle again, right before the episode ends. 
Um, my theory on why this exists is because it has... This episode has the perfect ending. It didn't need this at all. Um, my theory on that is that it would have worked pretty well as a season finale. Um, mm. You, I, I think that them finding the pirate ship in the jungle is enough of a reveal and the how beautiful the scene is with the mystery of what's going to happen to them on the open ocean is enough of a cliffhanger to satisfy a season finale. And now, it, yeah. obviously, we know there's two more hours, so there's clearly plenty more for them to tell. But uh, my, that's my guess for why they added that, was to to not make it seem like it had closure already. Uh, but yeah, that's the end of the episode. So good. Yeah, fantastic. I think uh, this is probably one of my favorites so far. I would say it's my favorite episode of this season, I think, up until this yeah. point. It came in at number 25 on IMDb. Nice. Um, it's uh, still not the highest episode that we've had so far, uh, because uh, Walkabout, I believe, is 23. But we we still have more to go, so we'll see if anything beats it. But, uh, yeah, fantastic episode. I, something that I think is great about it, too, um, and obviously this was just kind of the way network TV had to work, because it wasn't like you knew for sure that, you know, if, if you're on Netflix watching a show, one advantage that they have is that they know for a fact if you're watching episode three, you've probably already watched episodes one and two. And mm-hmm. if you haven't, those episodes are readily available to you. They didn't have that, obviously, uh, those conveniences back in 2005. Mm-hmm. So this, what I love about this finale is that it works... Even if you didn't watch the entire rest of the show, I think if you had only watched the pilot and then you watched this episode, you would still, pretty much everything would land for you, for the most part. Like, I don't, Mm -hmm. I think that it would mostly still work, which is kind of incredible. I think it's a a, a really well-written episode. But yeah, that was Exodus Part 1. Emma, the week of May 18th, 2005, was anything happening in the world? Yes. Yes, there was. So on May 21st, uh, the English FA Cup final um, happened and Arsenal beat Manchester United 5-4. to four. Uh, okay. And I just wanted to mention that because our boy Charlie, who we mm-hmm. love to hate on, is from mm-hmm. Manchester. And he probably would have been really bummed to hear yeah. that news. Yeah, he was probably furious. Mm-hmm. The uh, the sport of football, as it's known everywhere except for America, which is, um, it's really funny that we just call it soccer here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, that, I feel like it kind of had like, not like a resurgence, but like a, like a, a boost in popularity in like the last like five or six years, right? Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. Because for sure. And I like soccer. I think a lot of it has to do with like, well, the Women's World Cup. Mm -hmm. America like dominated that for a really long time. So I think that helped kind of gain traction. Sure. Um, But there are just so many amazing athletes in that world um, who, you know, get these global commercial marketing deals right mm-hmm. and i think that sparks interest too but do you have another theory about why it kind of like became popular um yeah bend it like beckham 
Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think it just was a slow burn. I think that started it. And then 15 <laughs> years later, it really started getting popular. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was, uh, what was that woman's name? Uh, who was like the captain that like refused to go? Was it like Megan oh something? Me- oh, it was Megan. Mia. Like, no, that's, it was. Mia it was... Ham? No, <laughs> it's not Mia Ham that refused to see Trump. She was like on the winning team while Trump was president. Oh, oh, okay. Never mind. It, I think it was. I think it was. <laughs> uh, I think it was Megan like Rapino or something like that. Yeah. And then she became like a, a liberal icon after she refused to go see Trump uh, because she did that as a political statement. I gotta mm-hmm. say, I don't care who the president is. I'm, I think I'm refusing that, right? Doesn't that seem like really boring to like just go meet the president because your team won? Um, yeah. you would. I can you see go... how like some people would be into that. Okay, I don't know. I don't think I would enjoy that at all. What is the you president? You want to have a picture of you shaking hands with the president of the United States? Well, first of all, the current president of the United States is a hologram. So I wouldn't be able to shake hands with him because, of course, Joe Biden is kept in a uh, time capsule somewhere. He's buried underground um, and they are using they're piloting him using AI software. I I believe that's what I believe in my heart. Yeah. Uh, Assuming that we do have a flesh and blood president. No, I don't. Because what would you. I mean, you know, if I win the finals. For whatever sport I'm in. I think that's... Just to be clear, folks, I've never won a single thing in my entire life. And it certainly uh, would not have not won anything nationally. But if I had, I think I'd be like, yeah, heck yes, this is... Uh, uh, this was what I wanted. I didn't want to, like, sit in a room and, like, pretend to have small talk with a guy who, like, lives in the upper echelons of society. Um, that's, that's fair. I guess maybe I would ask to trade it in for, like, a different person. Oh like, yes. Can I meet Lana Del Rey instead? <laughs> yeah. Can I sit down with Kate Bush instead? Oh, one hundred percent. She's uh, she's at the top of a hill, uh, <laughs> but you can get to her. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I would for sure. I, I will say this: I would one hundred percent meet Lana Del Rey. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Over over uh, a president. Um, and I believe so would uh, uh, Megan Rapinoe. So. Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, I think that we've um, talked about uh, Lost and Only Lost for this entire episode, so that's really great. Uh, next week, we're talking about Exodus Part 2. Uh, it continues the same theme um, of flashbacks just dedicated to everybody, no specific uh, character episode. And uh, please give us a review on Apple iTunes. Or wherever you're listening to this. If you're listening to this on Spotify, um, if you're listening to this on a freaking Zoom, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. One of those Zooms, if you're listening to this on that, well, then give us a review there. Send us an email, allthebestpodcasts at gmail.com. Tweet at us, at allthebestpods on Twitter. Uh, and uh, until next week, uh, get lost. Get lost. Thank you. Bye. Bye.